Welcome to Intentionally Grounded. I'm your host, Brian Willey, along with my co-host, John Kesselring. Episode 43 features the head coach of Mound West Tonka High School, Nick David. Coach discusses the importance of culture in building a program and outlines his key components for creating leaders, building toughness, and forming meaningful relationships. We also learn his vision for building a youth program and increasing retention with players throughout their high school careers. Don't forget to check out our website at igfootballcoach.com for all our blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, it'd be much appreciated if you could leave us a review on iTunes to help grow our program and share our message with a larger community. This episode of Intentionally Grounded is brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute brings practice efficiency into the 21st century with on-field digital risk coaches. Trusted at practices by more than 350 high schools and 30-plus FBS and FCS teams, GoRoute allows coaches to instantly send scout cards and installs to players so they can stay up-tempo all practice without the need for binders or managing multiple huddles. Compatible with all major play-drawing systems and hand-drawn cards, GoRoute teams routinely double or triple their practice reps daily. If you value practice time and want the best preparation, then you need to go no scout cards with GoRoute. Learn more at www.goroute.com, that is G-O-R-O-U-T.com, or by emailing at sales at goroute.com. Or you can call the phone number at 866-777-1448. Episode 18 of Season 2 of Intentionally Grounded with Coach Nick David starts now. Coach, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in coaching. Uh, so a little bit about me. I uh, grew up in Morristown, Minnesota. I uh, grew up on a hobby farm, young, youngest of six kids. Oddly enough, uh, my family was actually really musical. We had a family band growing up, kind of like the Partridge family. And uh, <laughs> music, music, yeah, exactly. Yep. We didn't have the bus, but uh, we were very familiar with the Partridge family. Had a couple vans that we always took. Um, toured around Minnesota, Wisconsin, kind of Iowa, did a lot of stuff. And so music was always a huge part of my family's life, but my first love was really always sports. It was, you know, any, any, in any sports you can name. I mean, whatever season it was, I was playing at football, wrestling, baseball, basketball, hockey, everything. I just couldn't get enough of it. Um, went on, I graduated from Waterville, Asia, Morristown, played for, uh, MFCA hall of fame coach, uh, John Bach. And he's pretty legendary. I think he's got, I don't know, 250 plus wins or so. And so, um, you know, WEM had a great program then, still does. And so all I really knew of, knew growing up was football and winning. I think in my four years in high school, we went like 43-5. and five. We won three conference titles, two section titles, two section runners-up, and a state championship. So I just, I loved football. I loved how the culture we had there, the success we had there. Um, then from a coaching standpoint, um, my first year coaching was, the fall of 2007, I was the offensive and defensive line coach at Montgomery Lonsdale. I was student teaching there at the time, and so I asked uh, Tony Barnick, who was the head coach then, if I could be on staff, and he found a spot for me, and so it was my first experience coaching. Um, after that, I chased my sweetheart, uh, high school sweetheart and girlfriend, now my wife, mother of two, out to Los Angeles for a few years, so I actually didn't get a coach for oh about two and a half years and it was it was really hard I actually during that time I felt like there was a huge void in my life I was teaching but not coaching and coaching's always you know been a big passion um, we eventually moved back in 2010 
And I began right back at Montgomery Lines, where I started. I was teaching and coaching there. But um, this time I started as the defensive coordinator. And I was there for three years um, as the D coordinator, the offensive and defensive line coach. Um, stayed in that position um, through the first year when we consolidated with the center, becoming Tri-City United, which was a really cool experience. Um, we actually beat Matt Waterville that year, Waterville. The first game, we were down 20 nothing, and ended up coming from behind and beating them 21-20 and then lost to uh, a really good Blue Earth team who won state that year in the section championship. So we kind of caught lightning in the bottle. It was a lot of fun. Then that spring, I got hired here at Mount West Tonka, um, 2013 and have been the head coach and assistant principal at the middle school ever since. So that's kind of my, my uh, background coaching. Coach, you played defensive line collegiately at uh, Gustavus Adolphus um, and you were an all-conference player and a, and a rare two-time captain. Uh, what made your career so successful at Gustavus and, and what were some of the lessons that you learned while playing there that you've taken with you and your coaching staff? Well, I think, you know, really my, what made me my, successful as my work ethic. I think it's something that my parents instilled me at a really young age and has paid dividends throughout my life, just how I approach things. Um, I, you know, I really believe my work, work ethic was the main factor that played into, you know, really everything at Gustavus, how I approached my studies, you know, football, everything. Um, never really been the fastest, the biggest. Um, you know, at 5'9", I really wasn't a prototypical college football body. But I knew that if I outworked everyone, you know, I could be successful and reach my goals. So I guess, you know, how hard I worked, the effort I put in was always something that I could control. So I really focused on that. Couldn't control, you know, my body size, my genetics, but I could control how hard I work. And, you know, I believe that, the, I, you know, believe leadership leads all the time. So I always worked my hardest, not only to be a good role model on the field, but off the field as well. And that, you know, transcended it in the weight room. Um, I've been really blessed. I, I mean, my coach at Gustavus was awesome, Jay Shenbeck. Um, he's, he's like a second dad, still really close with them. And so I've been just lucky enough to have two great head coaches as a player with Shenny and Bakken at Waterville. Um, had the unique opportunity to be an assistant coach under three different head coaches at high level. You know, some of these experiences I was able to obtain and take away just a ton of ideas from all the coaches that I now can apply to my own program, you know, whether it's organization, scheme, culture, leadership, really anything. So that's been awesome things that I've been able to pull away. But um, I really think probably the most important thing or the thing that I am most grateful for that I took away from Gustavus was that um, this importance of building strong relationships, whether that's with, my players, my coaching staff, um, other staff members at school, I think just building strong relationships was key. Um, Coach Shenny was just a phenomenal guy who just was really intentional, intentional about how he built relationships with each of us. And he always talked about how um, he was, you know, he's in the foxhole right along with us. He always, always gave us a foxhole speech, at least a couple of times a year. And it's just something that really hit home with me that, you know, I firmly believe as a coach that I need to be in it with my players if I expect them, you know, to be successful as a team. So if I'm going to demand really high expectations um, and that, you know, for them to act in a certain way, behave in a certain way, lift weights, give back to the community, whatever that is, I better, you know, make sure that I'm doing the exact same thing as well. I got to walk the walk. Uh, Coach, when you got to Mount West Tonka, you inherited a program that hadn't won more than two games in any of the previous 10 seasons. 
What was going through your mind when you took the job and what attracted you to the position altogether? You know, when I, when I interviewed for, or when I applied for the job, I actually didn't really look that much about the history of the program. I, uh, and then as I, when I got called to actually interview, then I started digging into it more and was like, holy crap, what, you know, what did I get myself into here? So when I, but when I was hired, I, you know, I was a temp, I was a temp head coach at Mound, um, since 92. And in that 20 year span, they'd won 22 games. They were 22 and 159 with zero conference championships, zero playoff wins, and only three conference wins, which were all versus Watertown Mayor, who kind of was also struggling. So it was in a really, really bad place. So, like I said, I don't really know what I was thinking, but I just felt like that spring, um, I just felt I was ready to be a head coach, and I was just chomping at the bit to have my own program. And I was just really excited about the challenge. I, I really firmly believe that, you know, nothing's unfixable. Everything, you know, as long as you put your heart and soul into it, you can fix. And that if, you know, if one person is able to change the culture of a football program that's struggling, that it not only would have, you know, a big impact on the school, but really the community itself as a whole. And that's what I, you know, it's been just amazing to be a part of this journey these last few years as the programs really started to take off and see how it's affected, you know, the school and the community. And, you know, really also just the school and community itself was attractive. My wife um, works in Plymouth. It's about 15 miles from Mound, your miniaturist to where we live, so it's super close. And then the school itself was, it's constantly or, you know, consistently ranked, you know, among some of the best schools academically in the state. So I figured as an administrator, the school itself would just be a really great place to grow as an educator. So those are kind of some of the things that, you know, attracted me to it. And then, you know, kind of what I was thinking. Coach, you kind of hit on some of the, the struggles that they went through through that long stretch of time. What were some of the cultural hurdles you really had to overcome um, was a young coach or showing up and you have all these ideas and all these things and you've had so much success prior to getting there, you know, it's really two opposites colliding and somebody had to get, had to give, you know, and obviously we can see now in hindsight that obviously your way has won out. I mean, you guys are doing very well, but, but at that time, what were some of the major things that you really had to, to get through to change the culture there? Well, I think, you know, with any, any head coach coming in, you got to get buy-in. And I think because there was so much, just disconnect. There was, like I said, 10 coaches in 20 years, you know, it's just, there was no continuity. There was no consistency. The communication was poor, just kind of everything across the board. So those are some of the things I wanted to address right away. Like, Hey, I moved to the community. I'm here to stay. I'm going to be, you know, kind of in your face all the time trying to improve things. And, but you know, really what I attacked first is our weight program and our weight room just in general was horrible. We, that, I mean, they just, they didn't even really have a weight room or the equipment that they were using was like hydraulic stuff. I just, I don't believe in it. I don't believe you can build a, you know, a winning football program, let alone athletics in general around stuff like that. So I, and I always have believed you win in the weight room. So we, we just attacked the weight room, everything we could do. I, I luckily enough, the year I was hired, um, we passed a referendum, I think that fall. And so then the summer that I got, um, kind of going with camps and stuff. We were under construction, and they built a a new weight room space. Not really, we didn't really have the equipment yet. But so after that season, we had a really nice weight room space. So I worked with our superintendent, activities director, director of community ed, who are all just great guys. Been really 
um, supportive of the program. So worked with them to really outfit the new space with nice equipment. You know, we got 12 racks, really nice, you know, weights, dumbbells, all that stuff. And we've worked over the course of the last, you know, six years to continue to improve it every year. But uh, th- that was just huge, the weight room culture. We established, um, you know, big three clubs. So you get a different colored T-shirts for seven, eight, nine thousand pound clubs, which the boys really bought into and got excited about. We put up record boards, you know, and started tracking a lot of data from, you know, testing in the, you know, throughout the school year during the summer. And again, guys just got excited about it. They want to break records. That was, you know, something where they could compete. So the weight room was the biggest thing that I attacked just because I always, like I said, you win in the weight room, you win on the football field, you build confidence. It kind of all connects. And so our strength and conditioning program has really been, you know, one of the cornerstones of why our programs improved. It's, it's organized, it's streamlined. I have many, many coaches involved in it and it's worked out really well, you know, and then the second, you know, kind of thing, I guess that really <laughs> needed to improve was numbers. I mean, we, when I got to Mount West Tonka, we didn't, I think nine twelve. we had like 47 kids or something like that my first year, which, you know, you can't, you can't, win varsity level barely with that many kids, let alone try to outfit three teams and, you know, be successful. So the numbers game was tricky. And so we worked just our tails off to recruit kids, to build relationships with kids, um, you know, constantly in hallways, going to other sporting events, just reaching out to parents, whatever, because we wanted our numbers to grow. And we, they grew, they've grown a little bit every year. And then kind of that first year we, won the district back in 2015, then our numbers really started to take off. And and winning does cure a lot. You know, you start to win, you start to have a successful program where people want to be a part of it. Um, I think the final, you know, the other kind of my third, I guess, if I talk big three uh, culture things that I needed to attack early on um, was toughness, just toughness and, you know, resiliency. We just, um, you know, it's a late community and lake communities kind of operate a little bit different. I mean, I grew up, like I said, on a farm in a farm town. So people are just wired different. So toughness was a big thing that we had, to, um, you know, work on resiliency, not missing practice, showing up accountability, all those things. So we, uh, you know, you know, that first couple, you know, first year, kind of year and a half, I think about midway through my second year, I started to see the fight really start to change. But really that first year, it just seemed like, we would be, you know, we'd be in it for a little while. And then all of a sudden, once that team made a big play, it was, okay, well, we made a big play. And now it's the game's over and we could, you know, I've had three quarters left. And so it, it's just been really working with them to, to you know, develop that mentality that, you know, we're going to continue to work through the game or to continue to fight through the game. And that, it, you know, it's never over until that last whistle blows. Um, in 2017, we, came from behind, oh, geez, three, four times that year and won some really close games within the last seconds of the game. And I think that's where I finally, I think as a program, we, you know, I've gotten to a point where, yep, it's not over till it's over. We're going to fight till the end and give it everything we got. And we just, the, the fight and resiliency in this team is just, you know, completely flipped and just growing insurmountably. It's been really fun to be a part of, you know, now the team believes, I mean, we, when we get on the field, no matter who we're playing, doesn't matter who, we expect to win. That's our expectation, and that's kind of what we've really, you know, worked on, but it's taken time. 
Uh, you were an administrator in the Mount Wistonka School District, like you've mentioned before. What's it been like for you to manage both the responsibilities of being an administrator then also being a head coach? And, and what have been some of the challenges to balancing both? Well, when I, you know, when I first began both roles, it, it really sucked. <laughs> it was tough to manage. <laughs> I mean, that first, the first year, like, cause I love teaching. I just, I love teaching. My favorite part about education is the relationship. So that first year out of the classroom was really hard to, and then, you know, just in the new district itself where I just didn't know anyone was hard. But as I've, you know, gotten to be into more ingrained in the school district and community, I've really grown to love it. Um, you know, and anyone who's ever been a head coach knows that it's basically a full-time job. It's it's tough. It's all year round if you do it the right way. You know, and a principal is really demanding job. So, you know, I, like I said, the first couple of years were tough, but now six years later, I you know, I really actually love how these two positions kind of play off each other. I mean, I'm at the middle school as an assistant principal, so I know pretty much all 600-plus of our kids by names. Um it works out really well when I'm trying to build, you know, continue to build relationships with my middle school football players, or if I'm still trying to recruit kids or try to get kids out. Cause I always hope if I, I we, we really believe if we can get in the ninth grade, we can keep them out for our whole program, but it's, you know, that we need that ninth grade year to be big and get those kids there. And then, you know, like other things you just, you learn along the way is I, I run pretty, uh, I'm pretty OCD and kind of a micromanager. That's just how I am. I'm, actually extremely OCD about a lot of stuff and my coaching staff would rips on me about it all the time. But, um, I've just learned I need to delegate more. And so my, you know, I, I got a really, really, really good coaching staff I, out of our, I have eight full-time guys and then, um, four volunteer guys in the community, but our eight full-time guys all work in the school district, all played college football, all are just know a ton about the game and are really stand up guys that work hard. And so, you know, my, my parents always taught me to surround yourself with people that are not only smarter, but people you love. And so I've been lucky enough to kind of have that with my staff. So it's made it easier for me because I, I trust them to do things. And I'm not always trying to now manage everything on my own. I'm able to delegate and trust that it's going to be handled the way I want it to. And then I guess, you know, another thing I really like, too, about the the two positions is that I, I, I get to see the growth and maturity of our boys. So. I always joke that a lot that a lot of the kids and I have about what I have twenty two seniors this year that you know a lot of them got a lot of detentions while they're in middle school, but they uh <laughs> those kids who get a lot of detentions usually turn out to be pretty good football players, but it's just really cool to see you know the the struggles in middle school middle school is tough for everyone, but you see them and I deal with them all the time and I love them to death and then you get to see them just grow and mature and grow and mature and then by the time they're seniors they're leaders and they're just awesome kids that's just it's a it's just a blessing to be a part of that type of you know job and position coach this past spring here you talked at the minnesota football coaches association clinic about um building a foundational youth program and some of the things that you guys are doing with your youth program um talk about that experience and what methods you used to build have that you have used to build your youth program and um what well, other programs can take away with what you have done, because obviously we all know that that is vital to uh, any sort of sustained success uh, in our game. I, uh, you know, I always, I guess, you know, and I've kind of touched base on a little bit, you know, I really think the two most important parts of a great youth program are fun and relationships. You need to make sure the kids are having fun and you need to make sure that 
your coaches are building strong relationships with them. If kids aren't having fun, then they're really probably not going to stick with it. So I really encourage our youth program to use a variety of different games, kind of the end practice with practice shouldn't suck as a fifth and sixth grader. It shouldn't suck as a seventh and eighth grader. It should be fun. And uh, so we really encourage, you know, that we want the kids leaving feeling good about things. Um, I have my varsity players heavily involved. They got their hands all over our youth program and our skills clinics and everything. They, I have my players, they have to, you know, the letter I make them, they have to do work a couple Saturday skill camps. They have to help out with the actual tackle football league a couple nights a week. They have to help out with summer camps over the summer and, um, and I get them in elementaries for a White Hawks kind of love to read program. And it's just, I think that helps a ton too. Just our, our youth seeing our, you know, because varsity players are kind of celebrities, especially football players with, you know, how everything revolves around the Friday night um, in the fall. So I just, getting them involved really helps, I think, keep our youth interested in it. Um, and it's, you know, really brought our program a lot closer together. And coach, how do you bridge your youth programs with your high school? I know you've talked a little bit about some of the things you ask your, your varsity players to do, but is there anything else that you do to, to help retain players and promote your program at a time when, you know, retention has become increasingly difficult, like you said, in terms of even getting kids to that ninth grade year? Yeah. So we talk, I, I talk a lot with my high school kids. I talk a lot with my middle school kids. And I always, you know, I try to get to as many fifth, sixth grade practices as I can as well. And I, we talk a lot about just how football's hard, but it's the hard that, you know, makes it great. And so, my volunteer dads that coach fifth grade, sixth grade tackle do an awesome job of coaching the game and making it fun. And the same, you know, at the same time, my seventh and eighth grade coaches are all teachers. I'm in the buildings. Um, a lot of them have had their sons go through the program here in the recent years. And they just, they understand how kids have changed and they, you know, as educators, they know that they need to adapt as well. And so that's really helped, you know, been an important part of our program and retaining players, you know, to build strong relationships that care about our players. I, you know, I, Oh, I, our players really truly know how much we care about them and how much we love them. We tell them that all the time, how much we love them. And, you know, as far as promotion goes, I'm a huge, huge social media guy. I love social media and, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm currently in the process of building a, a new sports engine website. So we try to highlight just as many things as we can, you know, from kindergarten all the way up to varsity and just, you know, post it all over social media and just get it out there as much as we can um and as much as possible and whether that's youth camps whether that's youth football games whether it's junior high whether it's c-squad varsity doesn't matter the level we're just trying to you know put our west tonka football stamp as much as we can in the community um and then one thing too that i think we do that i i've liked and i think it really helps tie our program just kind of together and unifies us is i don't believe in like a team camp shirt I just believe in like a theme. So we, we do like a yearly theme every year. Um, this year, our themes change your best. And I make sure that all of our apparel from kindergarten all the way up to high school, um, you know, senior that if you, if you come to our camp, you get a shirt and shorts, but they're all exactly the same. They're not like, you know, team camp 2017 or whatever. They're just West on football and they say whatever our theme is on the back. And I think our, our young kids really enjoy that. Wow. Like, wow, that kid who's not going to go on scholarship to wherever is wearing the exact same, you know, West Taco football shirt as I am. And it just really helps to unify the program. And it's a great way to promote it. 
and the stuff's nice. I don't go cheap on it. And the, the kids just are constantly wearing it. So it's just another great way to promote the program. Coach, what is your vision for the Mountain West Tonka uh, football season going into 2019 and beyond? And what goals and achievements do you have your sights set on? Well, you know, I'd be lying, and I think any head coach would be lying if I didn't, you know, I didn't say my ultimate goal is I want to win a state championship. I am a, I'm about as competitive as they come, and I actually, I mean, I, I hate losing, like, more than I like winning. I just, so ultimately, yeah, that'd be our goal to, to win a state championship. Now we've we've won a couple districts. Now I think our next step is we got to win a section. Once we win a section, then the goal is to be, you know, to get to the, the bank and then, you know, win a state championship. So we're taking baby steps along the way, but we're at a point right now where we really believe we have the ability to play with anyone in class four A. I mean, we we're we're doing a lot of great things and our kids are working really hard. Um, you know, winning aside though, you, you know, like anyone, um, I want to make sure that we're building the best possible you know, versions of our boys, you know, that grow into successful students, husbands, fathers, you know, community members, men of faith, like that's, that's a big deal for us. So we try to, I mean, winning's a big deal, but we try not to let that, you know, you know, become the biggest thing that we're trying to do. Cause at the end of the day, we want our kids to grow up to be great men. No coach, something that John and I are passionate about, you know, is leadership. And it's something that we're really working on, you know, creating and instilling in our kids here, you know, back in Fairmont. And in terms of, you know, your situation, you have a very unique opportunity to influence kids in leadership and in a variety of different ways. And so, you know, how have you developed leadership in your program and maybe even in your building? Um, so some things within our program that we do is, and, you know, when we have great kids, our leadership, you know, they're, they're, they're awesome. They're good kids. But uh, we have a leadership council. So it started out as, three kids from every grade level. So three, it'd be three 10th graders, 11th graders, 12th graders. And then um, all of our seniors would be included in it. And then a couple of years ago, the leadership council, like we said, yeah, that's the leadership council, but we really want everyone to come to the things that we're doing. So my, we, we really, really, really invest in just leadership, kind of a leadership curriculum, I guess you could say, or a leadership um, sessions. So we do about five, six kind of leadership meetings throughout the summer, usually about 45 minutes long and bring donuts and, you know, milk and there before weights. And we, we really get into deep in a lot of topics, whether it's, you know, what drives winning goal setting, what is leader, you know, what leadership looks like, character education, you know, a lot of other things. We always, we always kind of try to have a, a theme, you know, last year our theme was grow higher. So it was just about, you know, building a foundation as a man and how to become a more successful person, player, but building a strong foundation so that you're, you know, when you have to waver the storms that you're, you're able to, you know, come through in the end in a successful way. But we, like I said, we, leadership is a huge, huge part of our program and what we do. And I think it's, you know, culture, culture beats strategy and scheme every day of the week. And so, you know, we tell our kids leadership leads all the time and we invest in it, you know, to the utmost. That's great stuff, Coach. That's like Brian said, it's something that we're very passionate about here as well. So that's great to hear. Um, now, our last question for you is uh, completely unrelated to football and unrelated to the podcast. I mean, it's unrelated uh, to anything. But so we ask all of our, our listeners or our, all of our guests, and it's a tradition on our show. But um, if you were a professional baseball player or a, or a WWE wrestler and you had a walk-up song, what would it be, and you have to tell us your why? Okay. 
Well, it'd be uh, Hell's Bells, ACDC. You know, it was my walk-up song as a, a heavyweight wrestler in high school. When I became a captain, I made it. When I became a captain at Gustavus, I made it our walk-up song um, in college. So when we'd leave um, Lund and walk up to the field, Hell's Bells, the bells were playing. And at West Tonka, when we leave our high school, Hell's Bells is playing, and that's a big deal for us. So I just, it's been such a, it's always been a song for me that just gets me amped. And so to be able to have it, you know, through high school and college, and now with my boys, and my boys love it. It's just that. There's no other way to go. That's just the song you roll with. So I love it. 